constellations exist because someone saw them, pointed, and someone else said, yes, I see it too. Caroline Kepnes, Providence. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. And I have a bit of a special Valentine's Day treat for you listeners. I'm chatting with Lisa and Mackenzie from the Ladies of the Fright podcast to talk about romantic relationships in horror. Yay, Lisa Mackenzie, welcome to the show again. Hey, we're Hi. happy to be here. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't want to talk over you. I'm excited <laughs> to be back. Um, we had a great time last time we were on the show, so I'm excited to talk about some messed up romance and horror today. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. I This was one I had people request and ask me about, and they asked me about doing like positive romance more along the lines of warm bodies, but that was really hard to find in horror. Mm-hmm. So I just broadened it. I broadened it. Wow. I broadened the scope of it. So it's just good, bad, all romance and horror. Perfect. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, there are some really beautiful romance and horror stories that like twist the heartstrings or whatever, but I feel like the more often, uh, more often you will find the kind of messed up romance in horror. So uh, it doesn't always go well. Yeah, that seems to be probably what you'll find. I think so. Absolutely. I was telling um, uh, Lisa and I were discussing this a little bit earlier in the week, too, Um, you know, and we can get further into this a little bit further down into the conversation. um, But I've been uh, doing a lot of research on possessions. And Mm -hmm. um, what I'm seeing is a lot of that is just like this really wonderful way of exploring shitty relationships. So I uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. Interesting. there's a specific movie that's coming to mind. Maybe I'll talk with you about it later. (laughs) (laughs) So like you were saying, horror is a good but unlikely vehicle for romance to tell stories about romantic relationships. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. I think so too, because I mean, while there could be, I I haven't read warm, you said it was called warm bodies, right? I haven't read it either, but yeah. There are certain ones like, um, I I think you met, you're, we're going to talk about a little bit later, but for example, something like horns where there's like a really beautiful, I mean, it's tragic, but the love story in it is really beautiful and not really a messed up love story in the love story part. (laughs) No. I think that horror as a, a vehicle for romance, it does kind of allow you to, um, I don't know, like I'm thinking of, and this is, I'll mention this because we're not, it's not one of my picks, but I'm kind of thinking of Sarah Tantlinger's poetry collection um, for love and slaughter, I think is what it's called. It gets into like the kind of the more transgressive side of love or like the messed up romance kind of uh, things that you can find in life, like where it doesn't fit that neat, perfect box or whatever, or the white picket fence and the house or whatever. 
uh, that you might find in like a, a romantic comedy or something. You know, it mm-hmm. lets you kind of mm-hmm. look at the more human aspects of romance and relationships. Yeah. And I found that even in stories that are specifically centering around a relationship, like I'm thinking of the movie Honeymoon from 2014. Have you seen that? I don't think I have. I haven't. It was pretty good. I just watched it. It's on Hulu. Um, And I think it was one of Rachel's chilling obsessions like way back when we started. But it's about this couple on their honeymoon and some stuff happens and she, she sleepwalks in the middle of the night and comes back. The husband is convinced just a different person and so you see kind of this deterioration of the relationship and this paranoia and doubt start lingering but I've also found in horror that even in stories that aren't specifically about relationships like I was thinking haunted house stories where it's usually a couple moving Mm -hmm. into a house Mm -hmm. and you see the like haunted house tropes being triggers for tender points in their relationship or like issues that they are having which is it's it's big in horror like survival horror it's like being tested by the situation so I think that's something we see a lot with romantic relationships but I was thinking specifically haunted houses because it's about like you know starting your life together and this thing that's supposed to be you know good for you as a couple Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and it um, ends up being your undoing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That definitely works out very well for what you called it—a um, vehicle. You know, it's like that haunted mm-hmm. house is a hundred and ten percent a vehicle to kind of watch a marriage either become stronger or deteriorate. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, the grip of it by Jack yeah. Jumps and uh, House of Leaves. You know, House of Leaves. House of Leaves is like one of those books that I really do try hard to pretend that I've read because um, my husband read it and he talked about it so much. Um, Now, the reason why my husband read it, too, is because he was uh, he was in uh, juvenile hall. And so he had no choice but to just read these really huge, complicated books and he loved them. And so Mm -hmm. we have House of Leaves here and I should have read it and I've tried to read it a couple of times. But ultimately, (laughs) I just listen to him when he talks. Um, so House of Leaves, I pretend if someone's like, oh, so you've read it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. But no, for this, I, I can't, I can't pretend for this. Cause we'll go in depth and then I'll just be like, oh yeah. And when the aliens showed up, that is when you like <laughs> too deep on it but uh you know you're following like a bunch of different stories but one of them is this family moving into this house and I think one of my favorite things that I remember is the relationship with the husband and wife and how that is tested by the idiosyncrasies in this house yeah even um even I think Haunting of Hill House the adaptation the Netflix adaptation goes into a lot of that like with the family and like Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. the relationship between the husband and the wife and the there's other romantic relationships within that and I think it is this really unique setting um that allows you to look at these relationships or it like is a catalyst for exploring Mm -hmm deep relationship issues or challenges whatever the horror is that's happening is what forces them to examine that in their own lives or or what have you yeah I think so I think uh, I completely agree with you I mean one of the things that we um you know in horror you say that monsters this is a really good place to experience fear of monsters fear of you know whatever have you because you know at the end of the movie you can turn it off at the end of the book you close it you you know you close it up and you can put it in the freezer haha ha. um 
And so I feel like it's the same thing with relationships. You know, relationships get explored in horror so in depth. And so it is that safe place because it's the same thing. You turn off the movie and it's over and you're there on your couch with your popcorn and your mate. And, you know, you don't have to explore that horrible, that marriage falling apart. You don't have to remember what it's like to have that horrible, awful breakup. Now, you know, there are obviously the um the slashers where you know we really never want to go through the idea that somebody is going to come and cut up our husbands or our wives um but horror does allow us to explore that option <laughs> it's cathartic it's no. true. <laughs> yeah it's like oh man i actually you know it's like even if we have a bad fight it's like oh man i i would really miss you if someone broke in and killed you i just want you to know that <laughs> we've been through our highs we've been through our lows but i guess i just don't want you to get slashed to death I guess I just don't really want, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't want anyone to come out of a lake and kill you or, you know, like, let's, uh, yeah, yeah, chainsaws are bad. All these things. I hope so. <laughs> Lisa's like, no, I'm... If your, reaction, yeah. is, if your reaction is different, uh, you might need to examine your relationship. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa. It's acting as a mirror. <laughs> Ooh, well, pivoting on that, how do we see horror used to show unhealthy relationships? For this one, I would love to bring up uh, the possession trope. Is that okay? Go for it, yeah. Cool. Um, so I realized that I really didn't know uh, much about possession, and so I kind of started to dig a little bit deeper. I'm not super, super like buried in it because my child is still um, just barely over a year old. So uh, time is limited and I kind of sneak in um, possession stories when I can. But what I'm learning is a lot of the time um, these stories are used to examine really controlling relationships. relationships. Obviously, there are possession possession stories, stories, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is a really great way for the authors, for the readers to kind of look into these um, unhealthy relationships where it starts out as like, you know, these are, you know, almost, uh, what was the line in Hill House uh, in Two Lovers Meeting? You know, and so these two people, this demon, this human, often, um, they meet and it feels like um, it could be love at first sight. And then somebody gets very, very controlling. Somebody wants to completely and totally possess the other person. And now if I just go ahead and I take, <clears throat> excuse me, if I take the, uh, the demon out of it, then this completely is something that happens in regular relationships. You know, you just get sucked so deep into a relationship that you don't know where you end or where the other person begins or where you're just, it's an unhealthy, toxic relationship and you're essentially being controlled by someone else. Oh, Oh, definitely. definitely. Um, But have you seen The Black Coat's Daughter? Mm -hmm. No, I haven't. Yeah, so that I think is like possession, but with kind of a like codependency on the possessed person's end too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I was also, as you were talking, Mackenzie, I was thinking about this in addition to like the concept of possessing another person Mm -hmm. that the possession trope could actually um, be a metaphor for. There's also this idea of, I think within that is like you thought you knew this person and yeah. then they become possessed or whatever. And maybe it's I, I just was also thinking of it as another potential metaphor for a person you thought you knew or a person that you love changing in such a way. Yeah, changing in such a way that you feel like they're possessed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um I think that I mean Ooh, that's nice. 
That's just, yeah. that, and that's just one side of horror. There's a lot of different other ways, I think, to show unhealthy relationships. But I think that, you know, the genre itself has a lot of opportunity for looking at things like unhealthy relationships because of the nature of the genre. I mean, it's a darker genre, so it allows us to kind of go there. I'm also thinking of actually we had we had you on the show on our show, yeah. Stephanie, to talk about. Um, oh my gosh, I'm spa- spacing. I'm yeah, anything. I'm thinking of ending yeah. things, and that's interesting too because I mean, you know, we definitely spoiled the book, and I don't know if I should spoil it now. So even though the relationship within the book isn't what you think it is as you're reading, it does kind of look at this. Um, other side of like loneliness or uh, Mm -hmm. distance from other people or a lack of connection, which I think it's also a a way of showing an unhealthy relationship, even if the relationship in that book isn't quite what it seems. Right. So yeah, yeah. I I think being able to connect to others is a part of having a healthy relationship. And and this looks at a character that is not uh, able to find that connection. Now, and then to kind of go completely all the way around, um, My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix, that kind of shows, too, how a, uh, how a relationship in, um, becomes stronger in spite of, you know, the devil, in spite of a demon, in spite of possession. And so I feel like that book really explores this really well, too, even though that's not in the uh, most traditional sense of romance, that is a relationship and mm-hmm. um you know i i think that horror also has the ability um in all genres but you know particularly right now in possession in showing us that love uh, love trumps all right yeah i would say within the possession genre well i guess the exorcist too i was like it's one of the like few happy endings and i'm like the exorcist is like sad happy yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, there are exactly. There aren't a lot of there. You know, well, we don't exactly go to horror for the happy endings, right? Um, and so yeah. I feel like when we when we get one, you know, it is prized. It is very cherished. Like, oh my god, like I I loved the ending. I cried. That's something that we can so very rarely say at horror. You know, instead we're like, oh my god, I was up until three a.m. reading it. I had to finish, and everyone died. So. <laughs> <laughs> And so, no, I feel like these these endings are good, and that is where you can explore, like, what does it take to have a really good relationship? And it's explored thoroughly. Um, and I think that this gives us ways to explore it, too. I'm not sure that The Fireman by Joe Hill is necessarily horror, but that's another... Is I mean, what do you guys think? Could that be considered horror? It's Joe Hill, but The Fireman... I mean, my, my first pick, I would say, is, like, not quite horror, so you're fine. <laughs> Okay, not quite, but we're but approaching. Yeah. <laughs> dark. It's got a darkness to it. it yeah. yeah, and that has two, you know, different relationships in it. Where, um, you know, the really shitty expl- uh, the really shitty relationship is explored, and then so is the really good one. So I think that this is a really good catalyst, a really good vehicle. Definitely. Oh, and one that I thought of that I'm sure you've read since you've been doing your possession research is uh come closer which is literally about a married couple where one of the yes. parties thinks that they're getting possessed so that was yeah. like a perfect sarah sarah Graham. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i actually had to read that for um steven's class while i was in uh while i was at um university of uh, california riverside 
um, the low residency program. And that was one of our required readings. And that's something that I've been through a couple of times now. Um, and you know, it just, it never, it never stops scaring the living shit out of me. Yeah. I read it for the first time last year. It's it's creepy. Mm-hmm. It does that thing in possession stories well, where you're following a narrator in their point of view, but they're an unreliable narrator and you as the reader don't know what to believe. Yeah. And they have this really great pivotal moment too. And I've um, kind of started to pick this up in several different um, possession stories. Um, and I, I almost want to say too, that this would might be in haunted houses as well, where you have that moment of realization with the characters where they have that, they're able to get out. It's like, this is their very last chance to get out and they know it. And so there's desperation that we all feel as an audience, as listeners, um, as readers, and like, oh my God, this might have a happy ending. That's what gives us hope because they say, they say, oh my God, I've been hearing these things in the back of my head. I want my husband back. What's happened to my life or for haunted houses? Like maybe we should leave. (laughs) Right. And, um, But then whatever happens, happens. The house eats them or in possession stories, that's when the demon really sinks their teeth in. And so normally at the end, you'll get this kind of like, um, like a floaty voice almost, you know, they're like, well, everything's okay now, you know, we're together. It's all good. And I feel like that, um, really shows, um, you know, a toxic relationship too, a really like a, a kind of like a possessed toxic relationship because yeah, you'll have that moment of where you say this person's bad for me, but then, you know, you get, um, hoodwinked or, you know, you talk yourself into it or whatever. And it's, Oh no, this is good. This is okay. So I I really appreciate that part of haunted house novels or um, possession stories. You know, it's like it gives you that last little bit, that last Mm -hmm. little carrot to get to the end. They're good at just ripping your heart out. Mm -hmm. You know it. (laughs) So I know you guys have some upcoming things coming out this year that kind of fit into the topic that I wanted to talk about. Well, Mackenzie's especially does, uh, (laughs) which is like I was too. There is an aspect of it for sure, but yours is definitely when I was reading, we were planning for it. I was like, oh my God, I, sh- I wish I could do this one, but it's not out till August, 2020. But, um, do you want to oh, you- talk about it or you were, you were going to pick my book? Oh, I, it's amazing fit for this because it's so <laughs> messed so up. It's, nice. like, <laughs> it's like the most messed up love story I've ever read. So, Aww. <laughs> What a compliment. That's high praise. That's some serious high praise. Aw. Lisa, we were already going to be friends until forever. Like, you don't need to keep doing this. (laughs) (laughs) The novella that's coming out is called um, All You Need Is Love and a Strong Electric Current. Uh, I wrote it on a dare. Um, uh, I wrote the short story version on a dare anyway. And it's about um, a... uh, uh, a lady who has a particular fetish for cold things. She likes it cold. And so when she when she's um, with a man intimately, it doesn't do it for her because he remains at a normal bodily temperature of, what is it, 98.6? 98.7? Um, and so he remains at that bodily temperature. And so she tries a variety of different things and none of them work um, until her boyfriend dies. And then um, she... Uh, realizes uh, through trial and error that uh, that is what's going to do it for her is that that um, body is going to be cold, but she doesn't like the body. She wants him alive. And so she's able to bring him back to life Frankenstein style. Um, And so they uh, 
are involved. (laughs) And, um, you know, and the book kind of goes into uh, the lengths that you'll go to, to kind of keep a perfect relationship going. It's a lot of fun. It's, and this narrator is hilarious. It's one of, it's kind of like female Dexter, because she's totally a psychopath, but she is very convincing in everything she tells you. She'll, she'll explain why she's doing the things she's doing. And you're like, Oh yeah, totally. Makes sense. I would, I I agree. It's fine. And you're like going along with her and you're like, this is so messed up. (laughs) It's great. It was a lot of fun to write. That sounds amazing. Also writing it on a dare is very Mary Shelley. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a dare. We, um, a friend of mine and I, we were going to submit to, um, the, uh, to the nasty, um, magazine. And it was only going to be for, you know, women and for strange fetishes. And I am just like horribly unimaginative when it comes to those sorts of things. And so I'm like, I don't know, maybe she likes cold things. You know, it was just like, it wasn't premeditated or anything. I was seriously just sitting in front of the computer, looking at a blank screen, like, well, I have to pick something. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's awesome. It's and the sad the only sad part or the reason why I couldn't really include it for today is not out till August, but um I think people will definitely if they're interested in reading some of the books we're gonna be talking about today, they should put that on their radar because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Give me the the links for it and I'll put it in the show notes for sure. Thank you. And be sure to uh be sure to include Lisa's. Oh as yeah, well. we have to hear I about yours. Lisa also yeah, Lisa explores um, some different relationships and hers as well. Mine is called Hell's Bells, and it is coming out in May. Um, also from Unnerving, we both are part of the, he's doing um, a Rewind or Die series, which each of these are uh, inspired by the feeling you got back in the 80s, 90s, going to the video store and picking videos by the most wacky covers. Um So my story is about uh, four best friends in the early 90s, and uh, one of them has been recently saved, so she's been on a mission to save all of her friends, like uh, Christian-wise, like as a Christian. Um, And then the other main girl, who it's from her perspective, she is like super into rock music and especially Queen. And um, her best friend, a lot of stuff happens, but her best friend, basically, the one who's trying to save everybody, stages an intervention uh, because she thinks her friend is way too into rock music and that basically the devil is going to infiltrate her through rock music. So she stages an intervention to try to save her from rock music. And they end up switching it on her and to pay her back to basically, long story short, they end up. Um, trying to pay her back for trying to save them by summoning the devil. The devil shows up, but he's not who they think he is. And um, they end up having to defend themselves against God, who is not very happy with these teenagers who are messing with things they shouldn't be messing with. Um, And then Mm -hmm. that's basically, I won't spoil any more from there, but um, it's a lot of best friendship. There's teenage love, a lot of 90s music. 
references and um, stuff like that. So oh, that sounds awesome, and I can see oh, the real life influence with the oh, yeah. queen love. <laughs> I was going to say, spoiler, queen. (laughs) I was like, I have to write about this somewhere. So it was the most fun thing to write. Um, It was a blast. So, yeah. Lisa was was texting me while she was writing it, and she's like, I'm getting my fangirl out now. Um, I was particularly thinking, Lisa, too, of that, uh, that teen love that you have in there, where it's just like, you did such a great job with that. I'm really excited for people to sort of re-experience, um, you know, the brand new teenager love, like your first love again. So, well, thank you. So going back into romance and horror, let's talk about some movies and pop culture. And starting off with a movie I know you just had an episode talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Midsummer. This movie. When you <laughs> when I we could have talked when about I that saw forever. you put that, you know, as something we should talk about, I'm like, oh man. Is it ever <laughs> that relationship with Christian and Danny is mm-hmm. one of it's the most it is it is so great. It's like such a messed up relationship and a lot of people were talking about like, is this just the most epic breakup <laughs> ever? <laughs> Like, break up revenge story, like, the biggest fantasy ever of, like, someone who really wronged you. I don't know. It's one of those things, like, at the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this. But I feel a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like you're a toddler all over again. It's like I have big emotions and I'm not sure what to do with them. Yeah, or what they are or how to name them or just any context Mm -hmm, for them. I'm mm -hmm. just like, I don't, I'm so overwhelmed, but I don't, I don't even know where to go with this yeah well and he you know he was just he really did and we talked about this a lot in our episode is that like a lot of the stuff is relatable in their relationship it's just like dialed up you know so it's like I feel like many of us have had these small moments where we didn't feel heard or we didn't feel supported or we didn't give empathy to someone or a partner or a friend going through something like these small moments it just wasn't necessarily with the dial turned up as loud as it was between them so I think that's why it was so for me anyway so emotional to watch them because I could relate to lots of different aspects of it just not the the whole thing as a whole and then Mm -hmm. it's like even Mm -hmm. though he was a terrible boyfriend did he really deserve what happened to him (laughs) I mean yeah (laughs) Yeah, I mean, exactly. he sucked, and he was like, and I, noodle. yeah. <laughs> well, and then even he was just a bad person because even outside his relationship with Danny, like he was willing to like turn on his friends. So it was just like you're not rooting yeah. for him in any way, really. No, and I, I, I dearly loved him as a character, and this is one of the things that Lisa, Bob, and I all talked about. It's like how you know he he's a horrible human being. But I still really enjoyed him as a character because he was so depraved, you know? Mm-hmm. He was an entertaining character because you're just like, oh, my God, really? And then when he is going to steal his friend's dissertation yeah. topic. Yeah. Thesis, you're yeah. Like, you're just not a nice guy. You're just. Yeah, not only are you like a dismissive gaslighting jerk, you're also just not a good person. <laughs> I mean, this woman is, like, so starved for any, like, empathy or just any human decency that I think we see that when the, like, girls are screaming with her, like, and feeling her pain with her. 
She's like, this is all I need. No one has done this with me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I don't remember the Julia Stiles season of Dexter all that much, so you might want to give me a refresher. Because <laughs> I remember Rita. Oh. I remember, like, the crazy dark-haired lady. I don't remember Julia Stiles. Yeah, this was probably... Okay, so I just don't remember her name. That's what I'm looking up right now. Lumen, thank you. So um, this particular season with Dexter and Lumen, I was in love with this particular season. I don't need to watch all of Dexter over again because um, then I'll just be hurt by the yeah. ending again. But like I loved this particular season because I thought that it was it was just so perfect. I was on board. I felt like they belonged together. Um, and so I was particularly crushed uh, with the way that everything ended. Um, but... It was it was a very interesting way to explore um, somebody kind of uh, venturing down that rabbit hole and then finding a kindred spirit down there, but knowing that she doesn't belong down there. I mean, Lisa, do you want to weigh in on this? I This is also one of my favorite seasons, and their relationship is probably one of my most favorite, like, TV show relationships Agreed. ever. And so he he basically um saves her from this very traumatic situation and then she wants to like she is so traumatized by what happened to her and the the men who were doing these things to her that she when she finds out about him and his true self and she doesn't flinch back from it and then she actually understands it and then they go on this um rampage together to atone mm -hmm. for what happened and kind of like get back at the men who did these horrible things to her it was like he like exactly what you're saying he he had someone who was able to see him and not flinch from who he was and they he, they could be them their true selves with each other and they were the yeah. only ones who yeah were able to see that but at the same time he knew she, it wasn't the life for her that once she completed this cycle of basically, I don't want to call it revenge, even though it was revenge, but it was more just like, it's like a weird um, atonement kind of thing. Atonement kind of, of once she completed that cycle, she wasn't going to stay a serial killer. No, with him. no, you know, he, no, she was, she no. couldn't live in that dark place. So it was a very beautiful romance. I think like it was just really amazingly done. And the acting was um, incredible. And it was so good for Dexter's character because it explored him being able to be mm -hmm. seen for mm -hmm. all that he was mm -hmm. and be loved. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that was really special. And and I think it kind of goes back to this whole thing about like horror being a good lens at which to look at all these different things because, I mean, it's a really extreme example, but we all want to be able to find somebody who can see us for who we are and yeah. accept us for all our darkness, even if we're not like, Serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which hopefully yeah. we're not. <laughs> but. We mentioned horns earlier. Oh, yeah. And Lisa, this is actually one of the books where I was shocked that you hadn't put it on there. And so I put it on there and was like, this is going to be really good for both of us. Because um, horns, yeah. Yeah, because um, Stephanie, for a long time, Lisa was the way that she is with Queen. That's how she was with horns. <laughs> <laughs> she was putting a copy in everyone's hands. She really was. And when yeah. I saw it on here, I'm like, oh my gosh, sis, there's so many more books I could have included. I thought of so many more, even as we were all just talking. Um, and even Horns is actually 
a movie too so i think it fits in mm-hmm. this section as well um yeah yeah i love their love story even though the whole story itself is tragic it's a beautiful like the love story part is just gorgeous um yes yes i completely agree because like even though um and then, you know, spoiler, uh, even though the girlfriend is dead, they are still kind of going through, um, uh, Ig, right? Ig, he's still going through a lot of the relationship, yeah. you know, he's still going through a lot of the depression. He's still going through the need for revenge and the need to figure things out. And so it was, uh, you're still, even though there is only, it's a one-sided conversation, you're still there for it. And it wouldn't be, it yeah. wouldn't be horns without without both of them. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, I would definitely call it, I'd call it a love story before anything else, which might be too much into the way I think, but <laughs> totally. No, I would say like, yeah, horns couldn't be horns without his relationship, without the romance in it. We wouldn't get the, the level of grief mm-hmm. that drives him. And then I asked for suggestions from the Patreon supporters who are in our Voxer group and somebody mentioned It Follows, which is like sexual mm-hmm, relationships. Mm-hmm. And like, which is a part of, aspect it's a, that's an of aspect romance. of romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good one too. When we saw It Follows, um, my husband turned to me and he said, this is essentially like if an STD just got up and started killing you. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah. well they do but yes i completely see that it's uh she is the uh yeah she is uh <laughs> she's the std you really don't want <laughs> killer, killer STD. std just wasn't yeah. as catchy oh, that was the title originally yeah it didn't test well so they changed it um and then in the voxer group someone mentioned only lovers left alive which i haven't seen but when they described what it was about it sounded really good um, and they said it's about this like vampire couple who's been alive for like hundreds of years and they're just kind of like getting bored and restless. And I'm like, I need to watch this. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, and then someone mentioned Crimson Peak and then Alex Gray on Patreon mentioned Rebecca, which I do want to say both of those might fit into a theme we're doing for an upcoming Ooh. episode. So I won't go too much into those. Um, and then I wanted to mention, of course, our everyone's like horror goth aesthetic relationship goals morticia mm-hmm. and gomez the adams family <laughs> awesome uh last minute i added onto this because as we were talking i was like oh my gosh i can't believe i didn't think of this one and it's this movie called the love witch oh yeah have you guys seen that I've seen it on Shutter, but I haven't like sat down and watched it. Oh, it's also on Amazon Prime. At least um, it's on. It's been on mine for a while, and it is amazing. It's kind of uh, it's like a horror witch movie, but it's done in this old sixties, seventies style and aesthetic, and it's basically just about this super narcissistic woman who gets tired of being hurt by men and so she just starts like doing all these like terrible spells to kill all of her lovers and it's like really amazing and it's gorgeous to look at like it was made recently but the the director yeah it's really 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 good and entertaining um and it and it is horror but it's also it's also got almost like a folk horror feel and it has a feel of horror movies from 
that era of like 60s 70s and the way she does the makeup and the lighting it, it just you feel like you're watching a really old film but it's it's like I don't know I think it was made in like 2017 or something like that but it is really really good and it uh definitely shows some of the more toxic sides of love but also you know she's kind of been hurt a lot not that that makes it right but it kind of shows how she's just like fed up and she's she's done <laughs> she's done like with men <laughs> oh i'm excited okay. to watch it oh i'm excited have to, to watch check it. that out yeah yeah it's great uh also for this episode before we get into books i asked for listener awkward date stories and I had a few good ones. So these are the four best that were contributed. And then you guys can chime in and let me know if you have any awkward date <laughs> stories. <laughs> so I do for this have a $15 Amazon gift card that I said we were going to decide which of these horrible dates deserves the prize of an Amazon gift card. <laughs> So the first story is from Britt Jones 87 on Instagram, who said, I had a first date with a dude that was high on shrooms and I didn't know it till he apologized the next day. He was sweating profusely and laughing at nothing, which was very embarrassing at our fine dining <laughs> establishment. Oh. He offered to drive me home, but I said I drove and then ran away and called a friend to pick me up. He called me the next day to say he was sorry and would love to see me again. There was no second date. Yeah, that is yeah just awkward <laughs> he was sweating profusely and laughing <laughs> at our fine dining establishment <laughs> that's amazing that is that's wild amazing. i could just imagine like the moment of being in that and then when you find out that they were on shrooms and you're like wow that makes so much sense now yeah where well, you're probably like what is wrong with this guy yeah. and then you're like i guess i guess that makes sense but no no thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> high on shrooms was, it's just i don't know he was nervous he needed something to take the edge off smoke some weed or something Come on. <laughs> yeah maybe don't mess around with like hallucinogenics or ask to do it the next day <laughs> hey i'm feeling a little under the weather uh the next one is i went on a date with a guy that seemed super sweet we went bowling and had some apps and then went to watch a movie but then he suddenly started rubbing his face against mine like a cat i should have asked him to stop but i was so thrown <laughs> off that i just froze he did it so much that it knocked off the back of my earring when he started purring i finally snapped out of it and left far too odd for me on a first date also not a cat person and that was by Erica Robin Reeds on Instagram. Oh my gosh. I just, I also would freeze. I just, I wouldn't even know what to do. Like what? He, maybe he was on Sherm's oh too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you do? I mean, if a guy starts rubbing himself on you and then, I mean, I love that it's like that he finally starts, it's when he starts purring that she's like, oh, Hell no. oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like that's such a, I mean, I'd be like, wait, maybe this is some, I don't know, maybe he's just being silly and I'll find out the punchline in a minute. And I think I would have froze too, just at first until, you know, finally I realized like, oh my God, you're purring. It reminds me of um, when Angela in the office goes 
back to her house and they see her on the camera and she's like licking her cats <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then and then she comes back and like coughs up a hairball and she and she's like was this on the whole time about the video <laughs> oh my god oh so great anyway back to the date that's awkward i i mean i think like someone getting like close to my face i would just be like oh they're like way more into this date than i am and i'm just like gonna wait this out and not call them back but yeah with the purring it's like oh no 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 uh, <laughs> that's what i wanted like what was it like in the back of his throat was it like a you, like, you, how do you even i don't even know how you make you roll your r um uh, this is from gray underscore pages underscore 616 i had a date where i went to dinner with a guy who was possibly the cheapest person on the planet he began by ordering water because it's cheap and free literally said it just like that so he wasn't too bright either because something can't be cheap and free <laughs> then while ordering he only got french fries and told me not to get greedy and order the cheapest thing on the menu then he smiled and i was waiting for him to tell me he was joking but he was dead wow. serious that is pretty that's awful too <laughs> that's awful yeah it's just awkward like oh don't go crazy and order the soup of the day yeah like, I'm at getting point, fries, At okay? that point, wouldn't you just be like, I think I'll just pay for myself and then order something huge, you know? And then just let him sit there and eat his fries and drink his water. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. I'm hungry. Yeah, like, call the waitress over and make a point of, like, we're not. We're sp- This is split. Yep, yep, yep. Come on. Yeah. You can be yeah. a little more subtle than that. Yeah. And there's also uh, several points to just being straight up fucking honest you know, it's like you can say, hey, I really wanted to go on this date with you, but I'm so broke. I'm so sorry. I can't pay for you this time, but I'd love to next time. You know, it's like there are ways to be classy about even like the worst subjects. And if you're with the right girl, she might just appreciate that. And an even better one might say, oh, well, I have fat stocks of dead presidents. Like, let me get you this time, you know? Totally. <laughs> yeah, just be upfront. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And the last listener story is from X Juniper. It says, my worst date was one I didn't even know I was going on. He said he just wanted a friend. Parentheses. Mm-hmm. Lies. He invited me to his house to hang out. Parentheses. Why did you go to a strange man's house, Susan? Uh, when I got there, he said we could watch a movie, but we had to watch it in his bedroom because his roommate was using the TV in the living room. Parentheses. Don't worry. Nothing as terrible as you might think might be thinking happened. Then he put on Pulp Fiction because of course he did and talked about how he wanted to settle down and have kids. I was 20 years old at the time and not interested in any of that. He then asked if I would stay the night, but just to cuddle. And for some stupid reason, I did. Parentheses. Seriously, Susan, learn how to say no to people. (laughs) So after the most awkward and uncomfortable cuddle session ever, he fell asleep. So I tried to sneak out, but he woke up. I still left and I never heard from him again. He just wanted a friend to snuggle. <laughs> that's amazing. He just wanted to snuggle and watch oh, Pulp Fiction. That's, that's oh my sad. Gosh. That's. Oh, yeah. I just feel. Uh, I feel bad. That's so sad. It's like, listen, I just really need someone to come over and snuggle and watch Pulp Fiction with me. <laughs> I just want a friend. Come hang out at my house. Oh, in my bedroom. <laughs> On my bed. Yeah. But I won't tell you that until you get here. <laughs> so weird. Oh. Uh, yep. Lots of awkward Love situations. Mackenzie, did you have a? You said you had a um, story. Yeah, I have a. Uh, and like I said, I'll give you the abridged version. 
Um, so I, uh, I went on a date, um, with this, uh, one guy who I'd know, who I was friends with in, um, middle school. Um, you know, and we reconnected after college and said, you know, let's go, let's go out on a date. And I get there and, um, my, <laughs> my lady balls like totally dropped. He was just like so stinking pretty. And I'm like, this is going to be the best date ever. I was super pumped up for it. Um, you know, cause it's everything. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm reconnecting with like an old fling that I had in middle school. And he's beautiful. We, um, we go out to, uh, we go over to the Santa Monica pier and we're hanging out and everything's going really well and we get reservations, but reservations aren't for a while. And so we think, Hey, it'll be really fun to go on the beach. Now, this is the horrible part because what I'm saying is 110% true, but of course no one believes me. I ended up losing my keys on the beach and it's not because we were doing anything particularly fun. It's because um, I'm a psycho and I said, hey, let's race. And so we raced across the beach because that's what we used to do when we were in middle school. We used to run together. And so we raced to see if we could still run. And when I get back, I couldn't find the keys. Now this was particularly horrible because I had borrowed my sister's car and she was a, uh, we're 12 years apart. She was a, she was an attorney. She still is at a law firm. Um, and her keys had the keys to the law firm, had all of the keys she needed to get into file cabinets, everything like that was on that goddamn keychain. And so I called her just panicking. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Do you have another set of keys? And she's like, I don't for the law firm. I have to you better get to my house and get another set of keys so I can have my car. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. So, um, I was all the way out in Santa Monica and I'm from about like, you know, I'm from a village that is on the outskirts of Los Angeles. And so I called my best friend. At this point, it was probably nine at night, 10 at night, something like that. Like we're approaching, it's too late to ask for help. Right. And so I asked my best friend and he goes, I have work at four in the morning. He was a cook. He says, I can't come and get you. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, but can I interest you in my sister? And so his sister, who I've known all my life too, she comes and she picks me up. And I say to the person I'm on the date with, I say, oh my God, I'm so sorry about all of this. I have to fix this. Um, I have to go and get the keys to my sister's car so I can move her car before it gets towed and all of this jazz. Right. And I'm, and I say, you know, did you want to come with me? We can continue our date like after all of this. And he goes, yeah, it's been an adventure so far. I'll go along. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. And so we go, you know, an hour to go and get my sister's other set of keys. We get back to Santa Monica. It's been two hours. It is now fucking midnight. We find the car. I get in the car and I'm like ready to cry. I've like ruined this really wonderful date. And, you know, and somehow this guy is still along for it. So get in the car. I'm like, okay, it's going to get better from here. He's like, let's go to my place. Maybe we'll order some pizza, you know, and we'll just hang out. I'm like, that sounds great. I actually have exactly what we need to eat pizza and hang out because I am from Humboldt County um, right now. <laughs> and so I'll let listeners figure out exactly what that means. So we're in the car um, and about two minutes go by and I get pulled over by a cop and I turn to my date and because he's like, oh, what's wrong? I think, oh my God, I forgot to turn my headlights on because it was so bright. Santa Monica is so bright. Cop pulls me over. I say to my date, that's not the problem. The problem is I have uh, some weed in the back of the car. It's sitting in my uh, niece's car seat. <laughs> and my date goes, okay, is it better if I talk or if you talk? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just scared. <laughs> So the cop comes over 
And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, miss your headlights were on. I'm like, oh my God, I totally know. And then my date starts covering for me. He's like, yeah, she's, she's from Humboldt County. Like this is, this is actually her sister's car. And cops like, okay, well I need to see that. And he sees on there that it's a company car from a law office. And he's like, okay, like all this checks out. Like, please just make sure you drive with your headlights on. I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so used to just forest and darkness. It was so bright. I'm so sorry. I got this. It's just not my car. I wasn't. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're totally fine. And then he leaves. And then I do the only thing that I possibly can do. I start crying. <laughs> and uh, my date's like, it's totally fine. Like, you know, don't worry about any of this. This is really, this has been a really fun night. I'm like, screw you. And so we get back to his place. And uh, about, you know, three years later, I married him. Oh. <laughs> so you didn't scare him away with your crazy adventure. That's amazing. And one with one a with happy, happy ending. Uh, yeah, one with a happy ending. So I do have the $15 Amazon gift card. Which of the listener stories do you think deserves <laughs> the gift card because of their horrible experience? I think they're all pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in my mind, it would it would be bet- most between the shrooms and the cat. But I think for me, the cat wins. That's my vote. Because who starts rubbing their head on you and purring like a cat? Like that is just... Like, I know this that? is going to be a total shock, but I agree with Lee. Yeah, mine was between the cat and the weird cuddling, but I think I'm going to have to go with the cat. So, Erica Robin, I will be contacting you. <laughs> Sorry about your bad date. Here's a gift. All the other ones are really bad dates, too. This is just on another level yeah. bizarre. Like, that yeah. someone would do this. Like, what are you... Like, I would just love to interview the other person and be like, what? What is your deal, man? Like, why are you purring like mm-hmm, a cat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. on a first date. Not even, like, you know, leading somebody up to it. Should we talk about some books? Let's do it. So, my first pick is Providence by Caroline Kepnes. And this is the one that I said, like, is not really horror. It's more like supernatural mystery. Uh, but it has horror elements, and the story kind of mirrors and references a lot of Lovecraft. And I wanted to do this. You by Caroline Kepnes seemed like definitely the obvious mm-hmm. choice <laughs> to do. <laughs> Um, But I feel like I have talked about it a lot. And there is like so much to talk about just with Joe and Beck and like talk about an unhealthy relationship and someone that does not understand boundaries or how relationships Mm -hmm. work. Um, But Providence is just a totally different. So, yeah, if you are if you have read like you and Hidden Bodies and you go into Providence, just know like it's very different in that it's not as dark and you have a more likable protagonist. So in Providence, John is kidnapped by his HP Lovecraft obsessed substitute teacher right when he's about to tell his childhood friend Chloe how he feels about her. Thinking that John is never coming back, Chloe moves on and finds herself in the popular crowd. John escapes years later and realizes that he has the power to put anyone he has strong feelings for in immediate danger. All the while being tracked by a detective who is interested in a series of vigilante killings that seem to be related. Such a good book. It is. And And I think think John John and Chloe just have this like like, tragic tragic angle where you just keep keep rooting for them. them. And they they just just have have this love for each other. Like whether or not they ever at different points, you know, they may not come to terms with it or like say it outright. Like there is just this like beautiful like longing and tragic (laughs) 
love story and pining that, you know, seeps into their lives that I just thought was really well done. And in the background of like being hunted by a detective and accidentally killing people, whoops, the the background background with with all of this HP Lovecraft stuff, you know, especially the Dunwich Horror and stuff like that. And I just thought it was a good pick for this episode because it follows a romantic relationship. That's not Joe and Beck. No. <laughs> yeah. It's really good, too. I, I really enjoyed this one. I feel like it's that classic never the right time on both sides. Like, when it's yes. his right time, it's not her right time. And they're just always... I don't know if that's what you call star-crossed. I forget what the actual term is. But it's like they're never landing at the right time toward each other. But it's it's really... And it like you said, it's like really just pulls at your heartstrings. Because you're just like, oh... You really ship them. Like, I really want you. I do. Like, I don't read a ton of romance, but I got whatever, like, feeling people get when reading romance for these characters. I'm like, I love you. Be together. Be happy. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I will say this is room temperature. And I would say this is pretty recommendable to anyone. I mean, I know it's like what room temperature means, but not just horror readers. It has a wide appeal. Definitely. Um, And so that was Providence by Caroline Kepnes. So my first pick is a a novella called To Be Devoured by Sarah Tantlinger. Uh, I believe it is her debut novella. So she's had a lot of uh, or a couple of poetry collections published now, but this was her first prose work. And the premise of this one is uh, the vultures circling outside Andy's home taunt and invite her to understand the secrets hiding in their banquet of decay. Fascination morphs into an obsessive need to know what the vultures know. What does carry-on taste like? (laughs) Andy turns to Dr. Fawning, but even the therapist cannot help her comprehend the secrets. She's buried beneath anger-induced blackouts. Her girlfriend, Luna, tries to help Andy battle her inner darkness and infatuation with the vultures. However, the desire to taste dead flesh, to stitch together wings of her own and become one with the flock sends Andy down a twisted, unforgivable path. I don't know. Have either of you guys read this yet? I have not. I just read it. uh, It's on my two read. Yeah, I just read it. uh, it I think it was the second book I read this year. And it is so good. I read it, I think, in just like two sittings. It is definitely uh, a romance. I think we could even call it obsessive mm-hmm. love. Uh, Luna is, or Andy is the main character, and she is um, in a relationship with Luna. And Luna is kind of the only thing keeping her anchored. She's had a lot of tragedy in her life, which it does go into. And as she, as Andy becomes like more and more unhinged, uh, the romance itself goes twisted and it has, it's just really messed up. (laughs) It's really, really good, but it's definitely on the darker side of romance. I would say it's definitely not for the faint of heart or the delicate of stomach. There are some very graphic descriptions of eating gross things <laughs> and um it is there were a couple parts where I'm like oh my gosh but it was also really beautifully written as you know Sarah's a poet so she's got that really gorgeous prose where even though she's writing about really horrific things it's also really beautiful 
Uh, it was heart-wrenching. It was just a really sad love story. I would say I would put this in the freezer mostly because of the graphic content. Like I never actually felt really terrified, but it goes really into some horrors. Um, and I think when it comes to rating, uh, when it comes to horror ratings, uh, we could also consider that kind of graphic nature to be a freezer situation, if that makes sense, just because yeah. it goes, it goes really, I mean, don't read it if you have a sensitive stomach, because yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. very, very visceral. Um, but it is really, really good at the same time. It's excellent. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and that was To Be Devoured by Sarah Tamlinger. So I picked a short story. Um, I picked Eat Me by Robert McCammon. It's a little bit older, but this uh, is the first thing that I thought of when I knew that we were doing um, romance because he uh, just really, really captures um, how much we need love. And he does it in a slightly different manner than um, I've seen before. So uh, Eat Me by Robert McCammon is like, uh, the world has been destroyed, only zombies remain. Um, a lot of these zombies are able to recall who they were or what their lives were like. Our, the particular character that we follow is Jim Crisp. And, um, you know, he remembers being an accountant. He remembers where he lived. He remembers his life. But he's watching himself fall apart. He is a zombie. Um, they all are. And so he's watching himself decay. But he's also noticing that um, people are still kind of doing the same things that they used to do in their life. They're still going to bars. The one that, um, the one that we go to with Jim is called the Boneyard. And uh, that's where he finds, um, you know, that's where he falls in love. The only way for the zombies to actually really feel any sense of pleasure is to eat each other um, or to eat. And so when they eat each other, that's how they are experiencing, um, you know, that's how they're experiencing love feelings. So it is a really interesting story because it sort of goes into the idea that love is all consuming, but um, shh. so yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's just beautifully written. It's a gross, gross story, but it's beautifully written. Um, I really do love him for it. And it's probably one of like the, my very first short stories that I just recommend to everybody. I didn't know Robert McCammon had short yes, stories. Yes, he does indeed. Ooh, I'll have to look into that. That sounds really interesting. It's too. so good. It's so fun. Is that like in a collection or did you find it as a standalone? I found it as a standalone and I can't remember when I found it. I went through a Robert McCammon phase when I was at the very end of high school. So, I mean, it's been a good, like, 15 years since I went through, like, the I'm going to dig through everything Robert McCammon has. Um, you know, sometimes I even forget which books I've read by him until I actually, like, start looking through and I'm like, oh, I have read this one. Um, so we're just at that point. But uh, I really love this one. Um, you can find it on his website. And my last pick is an anthology. It's Heart and Hearts, and this is edited by Eddie Generous. This is an anthology where they are dark, creepy stories all about love. Uh, some are romantic. Some is love that goes wrong. And what I did like about it is that it's not just uh, restricted to heterosexual couples. Like, this is kind of an all-encompassing, all kinds of love. Mm-hmm. And there were so many just like standout stories in this collection. I think my favorite one was the first one, which was Gwendolyn Keist's 40 Ways to Leave Your Monster Lover, um, which follows this college student who starts uh, an unhealthy relationship with her professor and uh, just Gwendolyn Keist's writing. I just wanted to highlight like everything in this story. <laughs> like she's, Her work is just 
Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, like I think most of the highlights that I had in this collection were from just her story alone. So I would recommend picking this up just for that. There's also John Bowden's The Recluse, which I would say the tagline for that is, you know, watch out for the quiet nice guys, which is also the tagline for you. <laughs> Another one that I liked was called Consumed. That was by Madhvi Romani and Scott Paul Hallam's Burning Samantha. And yeah, this one, I just, there was so much variety. Like some of them even were a little more on the fantasy fairy tale side. There were some that were more about like familial love more so than like romantic love. I will say the majority were romantic relationships though. And I just really loved yeah, like all the variety in these stories and, you know, every once in a while you read one and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> like, that one hit me. So I would recommend that. I believe it's available on Kindle Unlimited. If you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, I would recommend downloading that one and checking it out. Temperature rating, I'm going to say you can't do that with an anthology. The stories are all over the place and different and written by different people. So a varied temperature. And again, that was Hardened Hearts edited by Eddie Generous. My last pick is a novella called The Last Conversation by Paul Tremblay. What's more frightening, not knowing who you are or finding out? Paul Tremblay explores the answer in this chilling story about identity and human consciousness. So imagine you've woken up in an unfamiliar room with no memory of who you are, how you got there, or where you were before. All you've got is the disconnected voice of an attentive caretaker. Dr. Kuhn is there to help you, physically, emotionally, and psychologically. She'll help you remember everything. She'll make sure you reclaim your lost identity. Now answer one question. Are you sure you want to? So this novella is in the Amazon Forward collection. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this or read it, but it's amazing. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get free digital and audio copies for every single book in this collection. And they're just like mm. short little novellas. Um, some of them I think probably are more like no novelettes because they're like 50 pages, but they're really, really good. But this one in particular, I thought worked really well for this theme because it is at its core a, a love story. I think it asks us like what moral boundaries would we be willing to cross for the sake of love. It also is this weird almost cross between sci-fi and horror. I think what Paul does really well in this book is I, as I was reading it he really built up that unsettling feeling where I didn't know what was real. Or, you know, I kind of was in the shoes of the character. I, I think it might even be second person. So it even does that even more where it's like you feel like you're this character and you don't know who you are. And, it, and it's very disorienting. And he really just makes this disoriented feeling really strong. It's unsettling. It's unnerving. As this caretaker, you know, guides the situation and you start to realize like, okay, I'm getting closer to remembering who I am, you really do feel like, okay, do I even want to know the answer? Because the answer is almost worse than not knowing. So yeah, really, really, really good. Really quick read. Um, if you if you have Amazon Prime, you can get it for free, either the digital or audio, um, if you have Audible. And it's excellent. I would say it's room temperature. So it was unsettling, unnerving, disorienting, but not really scary. 
Yeah, that sounds really good. It's really, really good. I just realized too, Stephanie, that I didn't rate Eat Me. Um, I would definitely call that um, room temperature because it is not scary, but um, be definitely very warned that your stomach will churn. So it's a different kind of horror. It's gross horror. Oh. Um but lovely too. The anthology that I picked for the next one, I picked Demons, um, and that's edited by John Skip. Um, I was turned on to this because uh, Lisa and I did a, a Devil Trope episode for Ladies of the Fright with um, Bracken McLeod last year, and he said that we needed to read this, and oh boy, was he right. Um, there is a lot of romance in this. The stories in here are, um, they all feature some kind of love or romance, but you know, what is love without a little possession? It's really difficult to rate it because there are some that, uh, you know, you kind of need the trigger warnings in the very beginning. And so that's kind of a different sort of horror that's not necessarily scary. It's more, you know, it's like maybe this belongs in the freezer and now I'm going to go drink a glass of wine and cry. Um, and then there are other stories that just hit every single bit of like exorcism stories that you want, that you really love. And then there's a couple that are just like, um, they're really sweet. Um, one of the sweet ones I'm talking about right now is called He Waits. It doesn't sound sweet. That's by uh, K.H. Kohler. That story is really interesting um, because it kind of goes into what a good relationship looks like. Um, and I enjoyed that. And then another one that was really cool was by Amelia Beamer. I really am starting to fangirl over Amelia Beamer. I think that a lot of the things that she does is just really wonderful because she combines horror and then the woman experience and comedy. And so while you're reading this horrible story, you're laughing, but you also have this horrible sense of dread. Um, and I believe that one is called, let me grab it, I dog-eared. It's, oh, it's called Staying the Night. And then there's another one by Livia Llewellyn. Um, it's called And Love Shall Have No Dominion. And that is from the uh, perspective of the demon. And that's the one where you kind of need a trigger warning. And so I won't go into that too much. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I would say... I would say this book belongs in the freezer, but there are definitely stories to take it out of the freezer for. Yeah, that sounds really good. So this is a, an yes, anthology. Yes, it's called Demons. Ooh, I'm going to check that out. It's good. It's, good. Never it's got this. Neil Gaiman in it. It's, it's got, got Robert McCammon. Like, it's got, got some big names. Gaiman. And then, got like, and you know, then the, the ladies that I just mentioned as well. So, yeah, check it out. It is really good. It's a brick. I haven't finished the whole thing because it's seriously... I mean, it might even be like a thousand pages just of oh stories. My gosh. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I can just kind of pull it out and be like, hmm, I'm in the mood to read a short story today. And it's it's demons and the devil, but like Mackenzie says, a lot of them have a romance twist, which I think with demons, possession, and the devil, you'll find that a lot too oh, yeah. because there's this oh, like... Yeah. Uh, this almost like forbidden love. Actually. I don't think you can have one without the other, you know? It's like, there definitely does seem to be some kind of, a, there's a, definitely a trend. And the one that I'm really appreciating is um, how uh, demonic possession is um, sort of being, uh, is being used as catalyst, is being used as a metaphor for um, really, really wicked romances. I hadn't noticed that, but that, Makes sense. Uh, I definitely did just want to put out there, but I mean, Amelia Beamer, like I said, that's kind of my girl crush right now. The Loving Dead has been out for a little bit, and it's one of the books that I did read for um, for my uh, graduate thesis. I definitely recommend that if you like the idea of zombies and dead. Um, the uh, the idea is that zombies, um, it's kind of like It Follows. 
uh, you turn into a zombie as like, it's more of like a sexually transmitted disease being a zombie. Um, and so you can only get it through sex. And so the whole, the book reads, um, like a romance erotica, but there's zombies in it and it's the end of the world. It's hysterical. Um, it's really, it's a laugh out loud, funny book. So that definitely doesn't belong in the freezer. Um, the Sookie Stackhouse series that became True Blood, um, I think is one of like the most wicked, wonderful romance series series out there um, for a multitude of reasons. But I, if you're looking for, um, you know, if you're looking for romance and horror, I really recommend Sookie Stackhouse because that those books are just told with such a different, vibrant voice. And I love too how they just accept that vampires are a thing. I mean, did either of you guys see True Blood or read the Sookie Stackhouse novels? I watched the first season. I've read, a, I think, the first two books, and I agree. They're, they're just such a fresh kind of voice, and they're, they're definitely almost like if you picked up a regular romance book, but then there's, like, murder and vampires, and I would say kind of paranormal romance, but there is a twinge of horror to it, too. Um, mm-hmm. So I find them to be just like really fun to read <laughs> they're, they're a total delight mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and the show i watched a big chunk of it until it like really went i think around the fifth season i was that's when i stopped because it just got a little wacky but i've never i've never heard of the loving dead that sounds hilarious it's so funny i love that book it yeah it's um really it's uh it's full of comedy full of dark dark morbid comedy but it is so funny I'm gonna have to add that to my TBR and then yeah I've never read any of the like Sookie Stackhouse books because are they like I think in my mind I always kind of thought they were like more urban fantasy like romance but I guess having watched True Blood like there's definitely horror elements yes to them. yes I would definitely agree and then there are because it's a series there are some books that you can point to and say this is all urban fantasy and then there are other books where you're like do you know what the fuck happens to her this is horror this is horror really really terrifying stuff um and so i feel like it kind of belongs on the same bookshelf as harry potter where you could argue that they have horror elements and they progressively get darker or there are very dark elements to them that belong in a horror book but aren't necessarily horror as a whole i would agree with I'm that have to check those out yeah they're a lot of fun if you're just in the mood for a different like a chain mm-hmm. of pace mm-hmm. and there's it what i love about it is there's like Sookie is such an unapologetic yeah. character yeah. and her voice in the books is just so, um, I mean, I think that in the show you, you kind of get a sense of what her voice will be in the book, but it's just so unique. And I love that. I mean, there's a lot of like graphic sex, but it never feels like it's just indulgent. It never, it's not, it, it never, it never feels like you're reading like a cheesy, never feels um, dirty. Yeah. You know, erotica story. Yeah. It's just like, unapologetic we're having some awesome sex now okay and um it's really fun and but then they do like you said some of them go really dark and um there's a lot of like she's a very human character that doesn't feel glossed over at all it's they're a lot of Mm -hmm. fun well are we ready to get into some chilling obsessions So I'll keep it keep it simple. This and I don't know if this really specifically counts as a chilling obsession, but I've recently got into Mr. Robot on Amazon Prime. Um, I feel like I'm the last person in the world to finally start watching the show, so I'm sure a lot of your listeners have already <laughs> been introduced to the show. 
Um, but like, while it's not exactly horror and I don't know that it would be shelved on horror, it's definitely got a darkness. Um, it, it has, it like digs deep into the dark psychology of this main character, Elliot, who's played by Rami Malek. And, um, it's kind of, I feel like takes some inspiration maybe from the hacker group Anonymous. I'm not really, I can't like quote that cause I haven't read up on it, but basically, Rami Malek is a ha- uh, is a hacker, and he gets uh, engaged in this hacker group that is like trying to take down these evil corporations. But while that's all going on, he's dealing with like drug addiction and intense depression and loneliness, and it is really, really good. Uh, so I've just been binging that, <laughs> and I'm I'm really into it. I haven't seen it, so you're not the last person. Well, I feel like everyone on Twitter, like all the horror people I followed watch it, and like everyone's talking about the new season and how good it is, and I'm just like, I'm still on season one. Like, And when I say binging <laughs> it, I'm binging it at the pace of a tired mom, which means I can kind of get through like one and a half episodes a night before I fall asleep <laughs> because I'm just tired. <laughs> but I really, really am enjoying it. It's really good. And, and has some really unexpectedly dark moments where you're like, whoa, <laughs> I was not expecting that to happen. And um, it's it's really good. I'll have to watch it because I haven't seen it either. Oh, good. I'm not. You're not. One. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, exactly. We we can uh, pretend that it was like a thing that we did. You know, we talked about it and we're like, let's not watch it for a while. You know, um, we actually we're behind as well. Um, you told me to watch you. Um and uh, that's what we've been doing. So we actually just finished the first season, and we're still kind of recovering. Um, we haven't gone on to the second season yet, and I see it's all like, you know, season three coming in 2021. I'm like, I'm behind if they're already <laughs> asking for that. So we watched that, and uh, yeah, like I said, we're still kind of uh, we're still kind of recovering. And I think my very favorite thing about it is uh, I-, I love that you're just on board with all of Joe's crazy ideas. You know, it's like you're. You go down yeah. the rabbit hole with him. You're like, yeah, of course, that's what you do naturally next. You hide all of the, you know, you you put the teeth in the box and you put it above your toilet. Duh. So. Beck is so lucky to have you. Beck is so lucky to have you. What makes, what gets me about this show is that, and the book too, but I think more so with the show is that, and what makes me so conflicted is that. I do like him, yeah. but like I shouldn't. Yeah. And he's so me- he's terrible, and he's um, a predator. And I'm like, but then he has these very human moments, like when he tries to save the kids, and like he has a soft spot yeah. for hurting children. And I'm just like, oh, it's hard. And it almost reminds me like uh, somebody compared him to Dexter, and I can see a lot of that. I think I had less trouble getting on board with Dexter. Because yeah. even though Dexter was a serial killer, he only killed Well, and he knew it. Yeah, he was pretty, yeah, he wasn't in denial at all. I think Joe justifies. But he has this rationale for it that makes you empathize with him. And it, like, is so, it makes you so complicit because you're like, I should not be, like, rooting for you because you're terrible. Oh, but you totally are. <laughs> I know. Well, in the book especially, though, I loved all his, like, snarky opinions. I'm like, you're right. I do think that, too. <laughs> He is, uh, he's all of our, um, he's our id, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and he just says what he thinks and he tells you what he thinks. And he doesn't hold back with, like you said, any of his 
opinions like about people or how they act on social media or whatever and I'm like yeah valid and then but then he turns around and is like he takes it too far and yeah it's it's really entertaining but also you feel I I always feel a little guilty for liking him because I'm like I should not be liking this guy he is terrible he's a predator oh but he skirts that line of being a likable character who's like super messed up yeah I completely agree and I think the uh, with him you have to be able to relate on some level and I think that that's what makes it even better for us to go into that descent like with him um to make that descent with him he has those opinions where we're all like oh my god someone finally said it out loud (laughs) you know and so you're with him but then you can't be with him for the whole ride because you find yourself nodding along like yep 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 oh well that might be a little too far really that's what we're doing next interesting so it's uh like oh well now you've got them locked in a cage that's probably a bad choice you shouldn't have done that um and so so you know it is a but it's necessary for that character and so i just really applaud the writer i don't have the author's name in front of me for creating a character like this because they had to have that line of like okay where can i get people on board with him so that they like him you know so that they're like i agree with you but only just yeah carolyn kepnes oh love it yeah well i know lisa you and i talked about being like gossip girl fans and I feel like this is the natural progression for Dan Humphrey, though. Yes. <laughs> like if, well, I feel like if- Dan Humphrey is Joe, like, because it's just like we get to be on the inside of Joe Dan Humphrey's head now. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, listeners, if you've never seen Gossip Girl, I watch the first episode on okay. Netflix and tell me this is just not the natural progression for Penn Badgley. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... As Dan I mean, I feel like in a lot Dan of ways he's playing the same character. He's just, yeah. we're just getting well, the internal narrative. It's like he was a guy in New York obsessed with this like super wealthy, you know, blonde uh, white yeah. girl, white blonde girl. And like he was from the wrong side of the tracks and he just was like this, follows. Yeah. Her. I mean, I'm using that phrase yeah. like with air quotes because he was fine. He just wasn't like from the rich community she was yeah and he was like pretentious and intellectual and kind of an outsider and like didn't like her friends or like her whole thing yeah it's the natural progression he's like the same character without the all the yeah except for i mean you never know gossip girl went really nuts for a while so it went it really it really (laughs) dug into the like soapy aspects of it but this is a perfect character. When I heard, because I had read you, and when I heard Ken yeah. Badgley was playing him, yeah. I was like, yes, this is perfect. Yeah, that was my thought, too. I'm like, that's actually perfect. <laughs> uh, my Chilling Obsession is the show The Outsider on HBO, and it's based on the Stephen King book. And I'm playing a dangerous game where I'm listening to the audiobook and then, like, getting a few hours into it and thinking, to spoil myself because I'm reading the book at the same time. <laughs> so far, it's been okay. <laughs> You're like, that like feels like HBO an art. <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never done it before, but I'm Luckily, like, I really want to watch it, but I also so really want to read it, and I am impatient. So, um, 
so this has Jason Bateman <laughs> playing awesome. Terry Maitland, who's an upstanding citizen in Little League. Wow. He's an upstanding citizen and Little League coach who's accused of murdering a young boy in like a really grisly way. And Ben Mendelsohn, who has been in a lot of things, but I think for me, he's always going to be Danny from Bloodline. Okay. Um, he plays the <laughs> yeah, he plays the detective who's on the case, and he's like taking it really personally because uh, Terry had coached his son, and so you know he makes this big public deal of like arresting him in public, like in the middle of him coaching a game. And, you know, he thinks he has all this, like, solid evidence. Like, he has all these witnesses who saw Terry, like, pick up the boy and who saw Terry, like, later with blood all over him. But at the same time, Terry has, like, a rock-solid alibi with video evidence. So, like, Mm -hmm. how can both things be right? And I am, like, yeah, so I am, like, I don't know where this is going to go. That's literally where I am right now. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I told my husband, he's like, if this ends up being like twins or something, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) Like, like it's Stephen King. I don't think he's going to do twins. There's a twin. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, So that is what I am watching right now. Uh, Well, like in the beginning of, I still have like a few episodes to catch up on once I get read up on the audiobook a little more. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on Instagram at Books in the Freezer or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. There's also a Facebook group you can join. You can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at Books in the Freezer.com. And we are on Patreon as Books in the Freezer. We are Amazon affiliates, so you can buy things using our affiliate link. And the coolest things people purchased on Amazon this week with the link were a Stephen Sondheim coloring book. Oh, interesting. Color Me, Stephen Sondheim. A coloring book for all ages about the iconic musicals of Stephen Sondheim, which sounds like it would be totally up my alley. Uh, that sounds uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost bought a Queen coloring book, but then I found out it was like pictures or like 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 pages from the movie instead of the actual band, and I was like, that doesn't seem as cool to me, even though I like the movie. Someone bought a woman's long sleeve classic fit Oxford shirt and a lot of books. So like American Elsewhere, someone bought Dig, Star Trek, Discover, The Enterprise Warp, just like a lot of a lot of books. You guys have good taste. Uh, so thank you for that. If you want to find that link, it is pinned to the top of the Twitter page for Books in the Freezer. And I believe I posted it on Facebook. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya or on Instagram at That's What She Read with two A's or on YouTube as That's What She Read. And where can people find you? Uh, if you want to know what's going on with our podcast, I think the easiest place to find all of that is on Twitter. We are at L-O-T-F pod. Uh, you could also go to our website, which is ladiesofthefright.com, which has links to everything else. We've got an Instagram, ladies of the fright. We're pretty easy to find. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, I would say the best place to find me is at La Quiglet. That's L-A-Q-U-I-G-L-E-T-T-E 
on Twitter. And then uh, if you want to find more about me and my work, I'm at um, MackenzieKira.Contently.com. That's just kind of like a compilation of the articles and everything that I've uh, written. Um, if uh, you want to see me on Twitter, then I'm actually kira one Mackenzie. Um, so if you see me floating around out there, uh, that's, uh, that's me. I'm one and the same person. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun. And I'm so glad you guys came on for this episode to talk about romance and horror. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. Join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Books in the Freezer.